Whether you are a startup or an established entrepreneur, nothing communicates your company's message better than brilliant branding. With over 25 years in the business and over 250 companies named, expert Phil Davis and his team at Tungsten Branding will enlighten, brighten, and illuminate your mind so your brand will shine. Get ready to flip the switch and spark your imagination. Welcome to Brilliant Branding with hosts Phil Davis and Liz Heemstra. Welcome brand fans all over the world. Um, We're going to get into a subject today I think that speaks near and dear to the heart of every entrepreneur and you know who you are. You're that person that just can't resist a good idea. You love shiny objects. Um, You have ADD like all of us are quickly getting and you are ready to go to market or you have an idea or you're in the early stages of creating something and you've hit upon this thing that you never thought you would run into which is how to create a name for the company. And so in this frantic search, you go into all kinds of methodologies. You get a fishbowl and you have employees put names in it. You uh, throw darts at a board, you bring in Play-Doh. I've done them all, trust me, been there and done that. What we're gonna do today is talk about this startup company naming process. Liz has done a little research here to bolster some of the things I'm going to talk about. We're going to talk about our quintessential article that was published in Entrepreneur Magazine a few years ago. Um, It's become the hallmark of things that are quoted in the business, and it's the eight mistakes to avoid when naming your new business. And we certainly want to do that. We don't want false starts for you. So if you are an aspiring entrepreneur getting out in that business and you're just thinking, is this a good idea or not? Listen to this and just see if you're going to make any of these or if you've made any of these mistakes and we'll give you ways. Mm-hmm. Right, Liz? We're helpful. Right. Exactly. We're, this not- is, we're trying to help you, you know, we're trying to help you see the future. Yeah. And <laughs> Avoid not, these mistakes yes, before you make them. And not leave you in pain. So we're right. going to give you both the, uh, the warning signs of yes. a potentially bad name and the anecdote as well, uh, sometimes we call naming kind of the toothache that you get in the in the marketing world. No one knows they need it until the middle of the night when they go, I can't. Yes. The domain wasn't available. Yeah. And you get desperate. And in all that right. desperation, you lose sight sometimes of your primary objective, which is to create a name that's a good fit to concept. Right. You know. Well, typically you're so caught up in the idea or the technology or, you know, the the back end of everything that you're thinking, oh, crap, I need a name for this. Yes, yes. And so that's when it's sort of And I thought it would be like, easy. Yeah. I, yeah, I thought, oh, we'll just, you know, we'll just call, call it, it blank. Hand link. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Pocket link. Pocket uh, link. The original, the original uh, name for, for BlackBerry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the prototype name starts to get traction because everybody knows it, and it becomes problematic and trademark. So mm-hmm. we're going to give you these eight mistakes to avoid, and it's funny, Liz, because, you know, I started recognizing this name was taking off and ended up becoming ranked number one on Google for naming a company. And the first article was this entrepreneur article. So it got a lot of inquiries and people started contacting us and I would answer a phone and they would say, I'd say, you know, hello, Tungsten Branding. They go one, three, seven and eight. <laughs> and after a while, I started realizing they were quoting the mistakes they had made. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, help me, doctor. <laughs> I've got symptom one, four, seven. 
Yes. So here they are, and without further ado, the number one mistake in our list. So Liz, what would that be? Yes, number one mistake, and we talk to people a lot about this, getting the committee involved in your decision. Yes, committee decisions. So we live in a democratic society. It seems like the right thing to do. We involve everyone, our friends, our family, employees, clients, and what we consider a very important key decision. This approach, however, presents just a few problems. The first and foremost of that is that you will end up choosing only one name. So just statistically, you're going to offend a lot of people. You know, you started Mm -hmm. off doing, it's like codependency. I'm I'm trying to please so many people. And in the end, you pick a name and it's like, well, that wasn't my name. And how come we didn't go with this? And the whole process melts down. So we are not big advocates of committees. They do serve a role, though. And we'll get to that in a minute. Second, when you use a committee, you end up with a consensus decision. It's lowest common denominator. So you don't get the best name. You get the name that's least offensive to everybody. So it's a kind of a dumbed down name. I think an excellent example of that um, is when Anderson Consulting divided up. You know, it was, I believe, an accounting firm, and then they were going to do other services, and they divided the company in half. They needed another one. The president slash founder slash whoever it was at the time in charge said, well, we want some legacy. These are these brand criteria we talk about. People say, this is one of the criteria. Is it really the the number one thing you should look for? And in this case, they said it needs to have an A and a C in it. As if someone's going to read into that. Oh, A, C, that must be Anderson Consulting. And we put weird, you know, I've had people tell me that it's got to have my kids' initials in the name. So when you set up these brand criteria, make sure they're on point. Yeah, not just arbitrary or just. Yeah, that's a very arbitrary thing. So they do kind of all of the mistakes. They get a committee involved and they decide to poll everybody's ideas internally, all their staff members. Then they hired a branding firm. In the end, with the expenditure and the rollout, I believe it ran about $80 million in running this thing out. My gosh. By the time they promoted it, you know, put the marketing dollars into it. And when the name came out, which was, here's the AC, Accenture, Mm -hmm. people were saying, is it Accenture, A S C E N? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Or yeah. is it accent like a Spanish accent? And sure. And so it took this kind of really weird turn of having to say it is a scent, but it's spelled accent. Hmm. And it's sure. And it's so you you lose this golden opportunity, which is the moment you say your company name, it should not create a point of confusion. It should create a point of clarity. Yeah. Wow. Right. Either engagement, tell me more, or clarity, or that sounds really interesting. I want to know more. Not, is that Accenture? And the way they fix that problem, of course, is to drop an $80 million marketing bomb on it. And that solved it. But unless you have $80 million, um, don't involve the committee. (laughs) Right. So how many people would you say you know, is the committee. What's the ideal amount of decision makers? I'm a big believer in odd numbers and small odd numbers. So one of our mantras here at Tungsten Branding is gather widely and decide narrowly. So it sounds like, well, that's so anti-democratic. Well, it's not really a democracy when you run a business. There's usually somebody that's running it and they make a decision. You know, they don't always check in with every rank and file member to make every decision. And so they're trusting you 
to be a leader. And what I get a lot of times is when people want all this consensus, it gets kind of mealy mouth. A lot of times employees want to know what direction is the company going? Tell us what your vision is of this company. And it's reflected in your decision about the name. So what we always advocate for our clients is we have a brand development form. And we say get lots of input, right? But select a small team that really understands what this brand is set out to do. What is the mission? What is the heart? What is the purpose, the pivot point we talked about? Why are you doing what you're doing? And what is it you want this brand to reflect? When you have that inner core of, I would say, three to five people. And odd numbers are great because it creates a consensus in right. a small setting. Then you could say, we value all of your time, frontline people, we value it, but we're not going to put you through this torturous process. So we're going to take all of your input in, but then we're going to decide and run it through testing and we're going to run it through other things so that when we come out, we will have a very solid rationale for our decision, knowing that it was based in part on your feedback. That way people do feel included, but you're not relying on them for the vote. Mm-hmm. because that needs to be something that's coming from leadership. It needs to be a reflection because leadership is going to make making the decisions for that brand. Um, so gather widely and decide narrowly. Um, when they went to name the baseball team when I was living in Tampa Bay, they did this thing. They said, we're going to really listen to the fans. This is an example of offending everybody. Mm-hmm. I wrote in, I thought they should call them the Rays. And they said, if we pick your name, you're going to get a season tickets. And so I wasn't the only one. But other people thought, you know, sun rays, everything, it could be anything. Mm-hmm. The owner ended up saying, well, I don't like any of the names, so I'm going to call it the devil rays. And since he did that, he said, well, since I use the word devil and not just rays, nobody gets tickets. Oh, my god! And basically everybody that spent weeks, months, hours brainstorming, coming up, thinking, it's that dynamic of now everybody's – people put up signs on the front of their businesses going basically boo, you know. Right. We don't like this name. Devil what? Right. And then there was the whole, why are we calling it the devil? Mm-hmm. And it just became a very melted down situation. You want to avoid that. Mm-hmm. You want to come out of this naming experience with everybody on board feeling positive, energized. And the way to do that is involve people early, get their input. We have a brand development form. It asks all kinds of things. So gather widely decide narrowly. Um, So again, I think we've covered that one pretty well. Yeah. So what would you say, Liz, is the second mistake? Mistake? Look look into your crystal ball. My crystal ball. Let's see. What mistakes are these people running into? So mistake number two, employing the train wreck method of creating a name. Okay, so hopefully you haven't got the committee involved, and so you're down to going, well, let's just jump right in, and let's just think of names. Mm -hmm. And we see this an awful lot in our business, which is just, let's take a list of really great words that are very literal, quasi-literal and descriptive, and if we increase the accelerator enough... It's like that, what's that thing that they're doing over in Europe where they're accelerating it, you know, the God particle. Let's speed it up enough and collide it into itself. Mm-hmm. Maybe some kind of fusion will happen. The temperature will get so hot yeah. that these two oil and water words that don't belong together yeah. will magically melt together and form. And once in a while that works, but that shouldn't be your go-to thing. Um, when you do that, you end up with tortured names like QualiServe. Or Tranqui Spa. Oh, that you know, sounds so tranquil. I really <laughs> right. would love to go there. Just got to go there. <laughs> um, I compare it to saying there's two good ingredients. 
chocolate's a nice ingredient. Ketchup's also a nice ingredient, given in the right spot. But mixing chocolate and syrup doesn't necessarily produce a chocolate great result. Chocolate and ketchup. Yeah. Chocolate and syrup, chocolate and ketchup. Yeah. So it's not also always just because you have two ingredients that you slam them together and bolt them on. So common truncations people use, a Mary, Tech, Core, Tron, and then they'll smash it with a word. Problem with that is it sounds forced mm-hmm. and contrived. And we don't want a contrived name. Um, you want your name to be very uh, intuitive, seamless. It shouldn't sound like it was laborious coming up with it. Like, And that's why we call them train wrecks. Mm-hmm. Um, some words blend together, but a lot of times the intuitive blended ones that go together easily are taken. Yeah. You know, right. Somebody's already thought of that. So, right. Yeah. Don't speed the words up and slam them into each other. <laughs> yeah. Don't need any train wrecks here. No, no train wrecks. So mistake number three. Drum roll, please. Mistake number three. Using words so plain they'll never stand out in a crowd. Yes. And so this, this is one. almost the opposite. Yeah. So you go, wow, that Too didn't safe. work. Yeah, so we we don't like that qualitronic spelled with a K and ending with an X mm-hmm. and the dot com wasn't available. So let's just go with something we know, you know, that we can deliver on. Let's just um, early in the 1900s, when you were first in category, you could get away with with names that don't stand out like General Motors. You were generally the only one making <laughs> motors. <laughs> Um, General Electric. You notice even then they had nomenclature. Isn't that interesting? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, General Rent-A-Car. Right. You know, so In general, this is what we general. do. General. So, but once you have competition, something happens. It's called differentiation. You need to begin to stand out. And especially now with just tens of thousands of companies coming online yeah. monthly, you need to create something different. You can't just go with general. So you've got to avoid that kind of generic kind of terminology and we'll talk a little bit about that in another mistake so there's an onslaught of new media advertising if you look at your social media handles it's just all taken we had a company that was called you talk about generic it was called wholesale landscape supplies and people thought they were a yellow page heading mm-hmm. like it makes sense well where do i find you under wholesale landscape so but where under wholesale right i looked for you i looked i saw wholesale, I landscape, saw wholesale. but i didn't see any companies listed under i looked in the w's <laughs> i was told when we rebranded that client they literally had a lady come out who had been there many times and said what's the company's name again um same thing with uh if you look at the google imagine if they had taken that approach and said we're just going to call it the general internet directory you know i'm not saying they wouldn't have made it gid yeah, yeah, it probably would have just become an acronym. <laughs> yeah. So avoid that for the sake of explanation of how you can transcend that. Remember, we're going to give you the flip side. Wholesale Landscape Supply, they didn't really care if it was wholesale. They sold to retail customers and made even more money. They really just wanted to sell things in volume. Mm-hmm. So at the end of our branding process, Wholesale Landscape Supply, a lot of times these little names make for good descriptor phrases. You can keep them but let them be your quasi-tagline descriptor phrase. Mm-hmm. We branded them as Big Earth. Yeah. Wholesale Landscape Supplies. Our name speaks volumes. So that's an example of how you can take something that's very plain, very pedestrian, and create something different. People started asking for bumper stickers, and the brand took off. They went up 200% in sales in a year, and that was during the downturn. Yeah. yeah so yeah, that's yeah. a 
That's a that's a win win. Win win. Win win. So we're on mistake number three, and we're giving you the anecdote to every one of these mistakes. So on the other side of the break, we're going to get to mistake number four, and then you can always uh, email us or post us on uh, tongue on tongstonebranding.com, uh, Facebook, and let us know if you've made any of these mistakes. We'll be right back just after the break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. We're back, and we're talking today about eight mistakes to avoid when naming your new startup. And you can write us a thank you letter when you hear this. <laughs> hopefully, we're going to uh, thwart you, mm-hmm. tackle you as you run. <laughs> yes. Do not do yes. this. You, no, I see you doing it. Don't it, do it. If you don't listen to us, you will become our customer within 18 months. Right. Guaranteed. You'll be knocking at our door going, I didn't do it, Phil. Okay, so we've talked about number one, don't get a great big committee involved. That's a nightmare. Number two, don't train wreck words. Don't put them in an oscillatron or whatever they call it. Speed it up to light speed and, and, then, and then collide them into each other, hoping mm-hmm. that they will meld together. Mm-hmm. You end up with terrible, awkward words um, that just you can't dance to them. That's the worst part. Um, number three, don't use plain, generic kind of terminology, general, this, that, and the other thing. Um descriptive purely descriptive language because you just you get lost especially with seo you know we gave the example of wholesale landscape supply can you imagine ranking for that 
you're competing with the word wholesale. Mm-hmm. And right. that wasn't even his pain point. Is He was like, I want more retail customers. Yeah. These, right. these branding assignments get so weird. It's like almost through some weird convoluted process, the names become the antithesis of what the owner originally meant. Yeah. Have you, we've seen that. Right. Well, usually the name is somewhat of an afterthought. Yeah. And again, it's sort of one of those, oh, well, I need a name for this company that I'm creating and excited about. Yeah. So Liz, I'll tell you one that was probably the most ironic one of all. I talked for quite a few years for Vistage, which used to be known as Tech, the executive committee. And Vistage would be these business owners that were going through things. And this point, really smart people, right? Absolutely. And, um, I would give him this speech about about naming and proper branding. And this one guy's name was, it was like specialty concrete, I think, or something. And Mm -hmm. that's where he started. And he specialized in concrete. And then as he did that, he started um, getting requests. What do you also do? Um, Electric. So he opened another company. It was like specialized electric. Yeah. And then he thought he was so proud because he created like eight different companies that specialized in things all housed in the same place. It's almost like boiling the frog thing. You just don't see it coming. And then one day I said, well, how do you promote this? He goes, well, we realized we do so many things and it was hard to communicate this. So we finally developed this tagline, especially, you know, he had a a parent brand, especially corporation. We specialize in everything. That's an oxymoron. And and then the, the funniest thing was he actually looks at his card and he's just shaking his head. He goes, God, I'm smarter than this. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, you know, I think we can all feel his pain. Yeah. It was, you know, it was death by a thousand cuts. Every right. one of those moves seemed like a smart move. Right. Well, let's open a branch and let's call that specialized and specialized. He lost his pivot point. Mm-hmm. You can't specialize at everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so he either needed to rebrand or make those separate companies or something. So he created a uh, a brand that specialized in everything. Yeah, exactly. So we don't want, don't want to get in that trap. Number four, the mistake number four is? Um, yeah, so this is another, you know, if you're just trying to quick come up with a name and slap something on there, a lot of people will take this approach. This is mistake number four is taking the Atlas approach and using a map to name your company. And that's just instinctive. You know, a lot of times you see this a lot in um, medical Medical just seems to think, well, we wherever we set up shop, that becomes part of our name. <laughs> right. Um, there's a big brand called Aspen Dental, you know. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. All. But I think on a national level, you kind of see through right. that, you know. Right, it, it's, it's, It could it's be a always, tree. Yeah, exactly. It's not always technically a location. So, I mean, some of that you see, you could argue, and is that a tree or is that? But I'm talking about the real deal, um, Holyfield. I mean, these are the ones where people just go all in on a city name. Mm-hmm. And inevitably, if they do well, and that's what you hope to do as an entrepreneur is to grow. Um, people don't think ahead three, four, five years. We have our clients say, where do you envision yourself three to five years from now? And if they say, well, I think I would be throughout this area and maybe serving. Yeah. Uh, I used to work a lot in Florida. Well, we're in Tampa now, but I could see us expanding to maybe Sarasota or Orlando. And I said, well, if your name is the Bay, the Bay this or Bay that, mm-hmm. is that going to make sense when you're in Orlando? Um, and so sometimes it's just obvious things. We're busy as entrepreneurs. We're, this isn't really first and foremost on the list. It works. The name was available. We took it. And now you're fighting it. Then you end up with things like we're not just in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And when you start using your marketing muscle and dollar and efforts to say you're not what your name says you are, you've got a marketing 
they're a branding problem. I mean, it's just a tell. Mm-hmm. You know, when the first conversation is you undermining the very thing you do, um, we're just breaks had the tagline, we're more than just breaks. So same thing with names. We had someone that came from Highlands, which is a city near us, and uh, other side of Cashers, and we're in Brevard, North Carolina. And they opened an office here, and it was called Highlands, whatever it was, dentistry, or I don't remember if it was dentistry. It was, it was medical. And they opened the sign up right away. And the first thing it says to me is, you're moving in here, and you're not from here. Right, yeah. You know, so what do you only come here twice a week, or is this – is this really an area of focus for you or is this just some satellite office where I'm not going to be served? Mm-hmm. And the strength of your organization typically isn't your location. No. People know you're there. They're driving by you. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're using you in a city because the city is there. Usually people are looking for the attributes. If you're in dentistry, if you're in medicine, uh, what are what are you good at? Are you good at are you a pediatrician? Do you do things faster? Do you do things better? Do you do things cheaper? Do you use innovation? What is it in that name that will tell me something about not what you do or where you're located, but how you do what you do that differentiates you from everybody else? You know, so if it was sonic dentistry, that might make tell me that you use something advanced or something fast or something that I need to know more about. Sounds kind of scary to me. It may be a little bit. <laughs> sonic, sonic boom in your, boom mouth, in your, in your mouth. mouth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, use some aspect of the business to create that name that's maybe based more on an attribute or something that you do. Um, you know, that would, that would, I would love one that just goes uh, easy peasy dentistry. You know what I mean? Something that would just go fast and breezy. Just, you're just going to love this. Yeah. No more needles dentistry. No. Yeah. Oh, that that would be good. Yeah. People would like that. So don't use that. Another one I thought was curious, Liz, I came across um, a, a couple of years ago. I was looking up Virginia College. Mm-hmm. And if I can recall correctly, I don't think they even started in Virginia. I believe they have one location now. But the, it grew. Virginia College grew and grew and grew. And Virginia College is just everywhere. But the vast majority... They don't even have like multiple, multiple campuses. I would get it if they started there. It's a legacy brand and they branched out mm-hmm. and they're just saturated in Virginia. And now mm-hmm. they're, you know, over time, you know, Phoenix University works because that could be a bird. You're arising from the ashes. Right. University of Phoenix. So, yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. But to be Virginia uh-huh. and then you just, you just, it just slows down this connection of, wow, I should go there. I'm in Des Moines. Right. Right. You know, or yeah. wherever, you know, yeah. you just don't think. So that, I think, becomes a little bit of an impediment. And it's not... So now they have, like, online courses. And yeah. Of, like, you can basically do everything online. Is that correct? Or yeah. they actually open Well, they actually campus have campuses as well. In other the campuses states. are in other states. Yeah. That is strange. It is just strange. And, you know, eventually, here's the thing. People always cite examples. Well, what about Southwest Airlines? Mm-hmm. Well, I would argue that maybe they would have been even marginally more successful... There had to have been, there was a time where I didn't know if they flew in our area because it's Southwest. Yeah. Now, they're successful despite that. And there is a point when you are big enough, you've been exactly. along, you overbrand. It's called acquiring a secondary meaning. Yeah. So Southwest, I don't think people process anymore like, yeah. it's just a name. Mm-hmm. But what did it take to get there? It took millions of dollars. It took, and if, if you're an entrepreneur, we're trying to save you the headache of saying, we're, 
we're going to have to educate people about our name. If you create a name that now you have to educate people, you've just put another burden on yourself. Yeah, you're already trying to get up and going. Yeah, and you know, I hear this all the time. What people don't understand about us, well, that's on you. You know, like that darn public. Why don't they get us? They are us? so slow. Like, we get us. We get us, but they don't. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely one to avoid. Don't, don't use a map unless in some way, shape, or form you really think that's your pivot point. It's you owning that, and nobody else is going to own it, and you're staking your claim. But generally, it becomes, we had a guy, St. Pete Plumbing. I might have shared this story before, and it just became problematic because he expanded outside of St. Pete. Yeah. And so we rebranded him as St. Pete the Apostle and had him, like, we work miracles. Right. Had to just transition him away from these kind of literal names. So don't use the map. Right. But I probably an even better example, well, maybe not better, but equally as good, is the Kansas City Sampler, correct? Oh, jeez, Liz. Perfect. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Especially, I, we've done so yeah, many of especially these. Especially when it's retail and it's sort of... So we have this guy come to yeah. us. This is just so telling. Comes to us and he says, I sell sportswear, teamwear, fanwear, everything. And I'm so what's the problem? He goes, it's called the Kansas City Sampler. And I'm like, oh, sampler. Is that the problem, the word sampler? He goes, the problem is Kansas City. Mm-hmm. I go, well, why? You sell things that are all Kansas you know, he says, well, the only small problem is I'm opening a second store. And I go, well, where's your second store? He goes, Texas. <laughs> and I'm like, so the Kansas City sampler will be in. Now, to his credit, he said, I've made a mistake. You right. know, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. I need to rebrand. Yeah. And um, had he done that, could he have overbranded where you, you just go, oh, Kansas City Sampler, that's that one that does sportswear all over the United States. Yeah, but it would have just been a huge uphill battle for him. Mm-hmm. A lot of confusion. Yeah. He avoided that by going, what is your pivot point? And in this process, and this is the anecdote for this, so every one of these, what is the anecdote to this geographic naming? We said, what are you really about? Well, we're really about getting people to cheer on their teams. It's a place to come to find your fan supplies and so we rebranded them as rally house great name and rally house is just where you go you know it's you know you're in our house people will mm-hmm. say when the, yeah you're the opposing team comes the big house yes football field. you're going <laughs> we're putting you in the big house <laughs> so rally house is that place where you found and it's a physical structure it's a retail yeah, store exactly. so they've expanded you know, nationwide mm-hmm. based on being very congruent with what they did. So the conversation, okay, well, what are you doing in Texas? It becomes Rally House. Well, what kind of sport teams do you have? Right. I've just moved you immediately closer to a purchase mm-hmm. and kind of devolving into what convoluted thought process was there behind this? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So no more map. Okay, number five. <laughs> number five is... Turning your name into a cliche. I would flip that even in saying using a cliche as your name. Yeah. You that, know, I think that's almost, yeah. Almost better. Yeah. So once you go past the literal descriptive word choices, um, a lot of times clients' thought processes when they're doing this internally will say, well, it's just, it's just too germane. It's too garden variety. It's too pedestrian. Mm-hmm. It's not working. We'll never get found the search engines because we're going to be competing with words like wholesale. Yeah. It doesn't differentiate. Let's create something and let's use a metaphor. Let's be super unique. Let's be really unique. Creative. We're the best. And since we're the best, we're at the top. So what symbolizes the top? 
The summit. The summit. The peak. The peak. The pinnacle. Um, superior. We're advanced. So we use these kind of very almost generic superlatives um, in place of really digging down and saying what is what is unique. Everybody's you know special, you know. Mm-hmm. So did a little USPTO research, and to kind of set the stage. And the USPTO, which is the trademark people, I believe there's approximately 120 goods and services category. You can get a trademark in one. Somebody could have a trademark in another because you're not in the same field. Right. So very few companies have it across all 120. They Mm -hmm. have to be very, very invented names like maybe a Xerox Mm -hmm. or Kodak. Yeah. But if you have a name, it can be in another one. Sometimes I've seen them several in the same category because they serve different audiences. I'm saying this to give you an idea of how overused these names are. We looked up Summit and how many companies, these aren't ones using the name. These are ones that have gotten the trademark. Exactly. Yeah, how so many, there could be more than that. So with 120 goods and services category, how many companies, Liz, did you find have a trademark on the name Summit? And these are all live too. Live. I got, I filtered out all the dead ones. That would be 1,156. 1,156. So what that does, for those of you who don't understand trademark, which very few of us really do, is sometimes it's hard to get a trademark, and sometimes they almost give them away like candy because it's so overused. It's like, sure, you can use it, but almost everybody else can as well. It's called dilution. Yeah. And you end up with diluted names. So if I want to get known in branding and I become Summit Branding, the problem I have is I'm competing not just with branding firms, but every other Summit company out there. Mm -hmm. Summit Leadership, Summit Systems, Summit Consulting. Yeah. On and on and on. Here's a few more. Apex had 585 trademarks. Pinnacle, 389. Superior, 887 permitted uses and only that means there's about four or five trademarks in every category advanced set the record advanced systems advanced this 2219 trademarks precision 1580 and premier because everyone wants to be the premier company mm-hmm. 1466 companies with the trademark premier yeah so don't use cliche. What we do sometimes is it, you combine other words with it. So, you know, this is one further removed, but it might be true horizon. Mm-hmm. It might be um, bright peak. It might be there's ways that you can take it and serve it up to make it a little bit more unique, but avoid the cliche. The other thing, too, the chance of you owning the dot com straight out becomes problematic. Trademark becomes problematic. Right. No one and no one can find you if there's if they don't know your exact, you know, domain, they're probably Googling you. Right. So they're probably looking up Summit Consulting. Right. And then they're searching hundreds, there's hundreds. And they don't know which one is you. Yeah. So that could be they're probably might be picking your competition. And this is why we really emphasize unique names, because instead of trying to rank for your industry, get ranked for yourself. Yeah. You know, when you're Summit, you might not rank for your industry, and then you might not rank for your own name. Mm-hmm. So at least have a unique enough name that when people look for you, they find you. Right. So these are all things. So mistake number six, we're going to go ahead and talk about it, and then we'll catch it on the other side of the break. But what is mistake number numero seis? So here's 
of course, the flip side of the cliche, which is making your business name so obscure, customers will never know what it means. So this is to me, you know, they talk about this in Psychology 101, kids growing up at home. I've had four of them, so we know this. Reaction formation. Mm -hmm. It's like, that was terrible. We went after Summit. There was 1,200 trademarks. Yeah. Then we tried Apex and we tried Pinnacle. Let's create something really unique to us. And so it delves completely the other direction into, into completely obscure rabbit paths. So when we come back on the other side of the break, we'll talk about why that itself can be problematic and how to resolve that. So you don't you have a story that's more compelling and more intuitive than these kind of twisted stories. And, we'll, and I think some of you will identify with this. We'll be back in just a couple of minutes on Brilliant Branding. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Your brand is your story. And getting your story straight is the most critical and challenging component of your brand identity. That's where we come in. We're Tungsten, and we're naturally wired for brilliance. We'll help create, clarify, and communicate your brand message in ways that will make you shine. Whether you're a startup, entrepreneur, consultant, or an established business, we'll use our tools and talents to build and brighten your company identity. Why struggle with domain searches, trademark issues, and endless brainstorming when the Tungsten team can create a clear and compelling brand name that strengthens your image? Having named over 250 regional, national, and international companies, products, and services, Tungsten has a trusted track record for successful brand creation and implementation. Our proven process will focus your brand and put you center stage. Visit us at tungstenbranding.com for your free quote. That's tungstenbranding.com. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. are listening to Brilliant Branding. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at tungstenbranding.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right, we're doing the eight mistakes to avoid when naming your new startup. So if you're in startup mode or you just recently started up and it's not too late, you could just ping your name against these these eight. Um, number one was getting the committee involved. No, no, no bueno, no committee. Number two, don't wreck names and smash them together. Number three, don't use plain generic language, descriptive, literal stuff that really should be your descriptor phrase. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't call ourselves the naming company. Yeah. You'd get lost in a forest of sound-alike names. Number four, don't use your map when naming it. GPS is great, but don't use it as your naming device. Mm-hmm. Um, number five was um, avoid using a cliched, overdone. We talk about like firewood. You know, when you go to go to get firewood and you're in a popular park and you sit down and you go, okay, it's time to build a fire. Don't look for wood right around the fireplace. It's been scavenged. Right. And if you think about entrepreneurs, there's been thousands upon thousands ahead of you. You got to go deep into the woods. Running deep into the woods. You know, people say, well, how do you think of these great names? I go, I don't start and waste time around the campfire. Yeah. I run into the woods because I know I'm not going to find any there. It's been picked over. I'm not going to call it Summit. I'm not yeah. going to call it Pinnacle. I'm not going to call right. it Superior. Mm-hmm. Um, or quality. Yeah. You'd be surprised how far deep into the woods you got to go sometimes you've got to go way in the woods you think you're being creative and oh someone else you've got to climb it sometimes you climb a tree deep (laughs) in the woods and you break off a branch and you drag it home and it don't you know someone's thought of the exact same thing in the exact same industry yeah and you're like weird second come on now you go i gotta dig deeper yeah so don't use cliches um number six this is what happens everybody goes i get it so i've got to come up with something really unique really unique and this is where it just starts getting ugly um so it it's great to have a name that has special meaning or significance it sets up a story a lot of times that can be used to tell the company's brand story or message but if the reference is too obscure or too hard to spell or pronounce you may never have the opportunity to speak to that customer because they'll simply pass you by as just confusing or irrelevant um, so that's kind of up there with those train wreck names. They just become so difficult that people kind of go, they give you that pleasant furrowed brow look like, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Well, walking away uh, now. Okay, yeah. cool. Thanks. You know, and you're chasing them with a business card. <laughs> you're trying to un- explain why. Please, no, wait. Remember me. So I think a great example of that is I had a client come to me and he was like, I did a consulting company, but I'm struggling with my brand. I go, well, what is your brand? And he says, uh, it's, you know it's a problem they kind of when they brush over it. Miter Peak. What was it? What's your Miter Peak? It's what? Mm-hmm. Miter Peak. And I go, okay, well, just, you know, this, so we start every brand consultation off with just tell us your pain point. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the toothache. Mm-hmm. So it says, tell me about Miter Peak. Well, I mean, what's the inspiration? What do you do? He says, well, here's the thing. I'm a pilot. It's in my... You know, so people base it on sometimes their own personal things yes. that really don't connect directly to the business. And he says, and one day I was flying and I was trying to think of what am I going to name my new consulting company? And I fly over this mountain in our area. I believe it was Texas. It's called Miter Peak. And I go, oh, well, that I don't rule that out necessarily. I just ask the client. So how does that segue into your business? He goes, well, it doesn't really. It just starts a conversation about how I'm a pilot. Well, how does you being a pilot segue then to your business? Well, it kind of doesn't. It just says that I have outside interests. So it's kind of a non-starter. Mm-hmm. I says, okay, but let's still play with this. So your miter peak, now it's M-I-T-E-R, right? Miter peak. He goes, no, it's M-I-T-R-E. I said, M-I-T-R-E? He goes, like a miter box. And that's the box you use to cut wood at 45 degree angles. You use a miter saw. So... This gets really convoluted. And I laugh because if you didn't laugh, you'd cry. You can <laughs> feel these clients' pain. Mm-hmm. So you have this tortured process. The thing I always like to tell clients is, can you, I use a golf analogy. Can you one-putt this name? You don't have to have a hole-in-one. No name is just absolutely stunningly perfect. And by saying the name, 
someone pulls out a checkbook and writes you a check and says, I don't need to know anymore. I'm, I'm a customer. You steer step people into it. But if you're going to stair step people into your company and your product and services, it's got to be kind of seamless. Mm-hmm. It, sh- it should be natural. Right. Miter Peak's probably not the best place to start. I say, can you one pot it? So what we do in our work here, Liz and I will work with people and we'll say, um, the client will say, well, what should I do? I like three of these names. Well, see if you can one pot these names. Say a name and then imagine someone saying, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more. And in one or two sentences, can you kind of get them there? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm with Park Place. Park Place. Tell me about that. Well, Park Place, we create the ultimate garage space. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, oh, garage conversions. Okay. So that would be like a one putt. Yeah, right. If you have to say, well, I'm actually a pilot and it's Miter Peak, a one putt. Well, what does that have to do with it? Well, it's not Miter Peak. It's M-I-T-R-E, like a miter box, two putts. Well, what does that have to do with what you do? Well, I'm into whatever, I, internet technology or information technology. Mm-hmm. What does that have to do with piloting? Now I'm lost. Right, right. You know, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah. right. So you don't want that. So how does your name advance your story and can you one put it? So that would be the, the thing I would ask for. And, and when we say obscure, we have had clients how many times say, the name we're considering is Latin for the Greek god of uh, copier repair. You know, you go, I didn't even know they did that back then. You know, <laughs> so you certainly don't want to be obscure. Yes, too obscure. So you want to get in there and say it, Nike works, you know, Greek god of success. But that's victory. fairly simple. Victory. Yeah, victory. You know, you win. Right. Everybody likes winners. Right. Well, maybe not right now, but most people like winning. Number seven. Number seven is? Number seven, taking the Campbell's Soup approach to selecting a name. And when we say Campbell's Soup, we really mean Campbell's alphabet soup. Yeah, exactly. So this, We're not dissing on Campbell's. We're not dissing on We love Campbell's, mm-hmm. especially in the winter. So Campbell's Soup is like looking in the alphabets and staring. It's the Scrabble approach, you know, mm-hmm. um, driven by a need for matching.com. And that's where a lot of this comes from. People yes. get frustrated. They go for the simple summit. Oh, someone, I had someone tell me one time, I like summit. See if that's available. Huh. It's like, well, amazingly, it's just been sitting there. An English word for 20 years on the Internet. Um, so, but people have different degrees of knowledge about the industry. Those names are taken. They've been beaten to death. Summit followed by probably 20 of the most common words. Summit Group, Summit Consultant are all taken. Mm-hmm. So what people do in their desperation is they say, I've seen this done. Let's twist up the spelling. Yep. You know, let's do Summit with four M's. Um, the results are company names that sound more like prescription drugs than real life businesses. Yeah. So uh, mistake number two sometimes gets combined with this one and results in a name like Qualitronics. You force two of them together and misspell them. Yep. You know, the, the whole naming process has just jumped rail at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, the names all get prettier come closing time. So yeah. as you get delirious, you start thinking things sound good. Yeah. It's amazing how good some names begin to sound after searching for available domain names the entire night. But resist that urge. Avoid using K in place of a Q or PH in place of an F. It's done sometimes. It can be done if it's very intentional. And intuitive, I think. Yeah, right. You know, if you spell core and it's a strong sound anyway, and 
the C has the K sound, mm-hmm. and it's K-O-R-E. Yeah. I think there's always exceptions to the rule, but this kind of fabricated misspell, I think, really becomes problematic. Mm-hmm. This makes spelling the name and locating you on the internet all the much harder. And you'll see that, I've seen this in, in TV ads all the time, and that's blankety-blank, spelled, boom, boom, boom. They're, I mean, what is that cost per second in advertising? Mm-hmm. And they're using it spelling or pronounced blankety blankety blank yeah right and it's not uh, that coined or invented names can't work they often do take for example xerox or kodak but keep in mind that these names have no intrinsic or linguistic meaning so they have relied heavily on advertising to convey or capture or gain what's called an acquired secondary meaning and that gets really expensive and as entrepreneurs that's something that you certainly don't want to do spend tons of money trying to educate people about what your name really means Many of the companies that successfully used the approach were first in category or had large marketing budgets. Yeah. Verizon, for example, spent millions on their rebranding effort. They even had to put a wave file in saying it's not Verizon. Right. Verify, Veriphone, Verizon. They said it's Verizon. And mm-hmm. so they had to actually spend money to get people to do it. We had a client called Webtronics. They weren't in the web business. They weren't in the electronic business. They ended it with an IX instead of an ICS, and they couldn't get the .com, so they went with the .net. So there's an example of just mixing it, twisting it, spelling it, and forcing the square peg into the proverbial round hole. Mm -hmm. And your name should be a round peg in a round hole or a square peg in a square hole. Yep. And that's just the way it should be. Absolutely. So Webtronics was about lead flow. Their name, Bright Pipe now intelligent lead flow management metaphor bright equals intelligent pipe equals pipeline workflow bright pipe workflow Mm -hmm. so there's a yin and yang to it now Mm -hmm. webtronics.net not so much right all right which brings us to the exciting conclusion of mistake number eight and hopefully you've said phil liz I have made none of these mistakes. One more and you're going to be in the clear. What is mistake number eight? Mistake number eight. Choosing the wrong name and then absolutely refusing to change it. It's too late, Liz. Always too late. We've already printed 500 business cards. So we cannot go back now. When I first dealt with a, a company called Portables, the owner at the time said, I know the pro- the name is problematic, um, but here's the issue. We have paid $200. This sounds small, mm-hmm. but remember when you're starting off, $200 to have 70 of these boxes painted with the word portables. Mm-hmm. So do the math. That's $14,000 to create this name, portables. And it was in a script font, so it looked Frenchy. Frenchy, and it looked like toilets, portables. And that's when I went and said, we should rebrand this. You're new in category. People want to language it. You're not giving them a good one. It's confusing, misleading. It's probably not the name to go forward with. And the name we came up in place for it was, of course, the now infamous Pods, mm-hmm. Portable On Demand Storage, which is now basically global. And that kind of unleashed them to, to take a metaphor, uh, create a name out of it. Um, peas in a pod and create this kind of name that was very much um, differentiated 
instead of the generic portables. It was it was a different name. Um, at the time, there was some pushback. People were afraid that maybe we'd think of aliens or, you know, some space invasion. But we convinced them that that name could could grab hold, and it did. Right. And so there's an example of one. We had another company come to that came to us, and they went with the name Regency, and they did facility cleaning and maintenance. Regency. Mm-hmm. I says, well, what's your what's your problem? Well, he goes, most people think we're a movie theater. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think there is. Isn't there a movie theater? There's probably a ton of them. Right. We ended up rebranding them Spruce, like sprucing things up. Yeah. And facility cleaning. That's perfect. I thought that's brilliant. Yeah. Spruce, and then we gave brilliant. the tagline. If I don't say myself, <laughs> we gave him the name Spruce, the Ever Clean Company. Yeah. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Yeah, right. I so, like it. Yeah. So that starts. That's a one putt name. We're with Spruce, the Ever Clean Company. Well, what do you do? Well, we clean things. We spruce things up, and we mm-hmm. like to leave things clean, ever clean. Yeah. Maybe even go on to say we use all natural products or mm-hmm. whatever your pitch would be. So hopefully you've benefited today, you aspiring entrepreneurs out there. You're a crazy bunch and I love you. I can't help it. You know, I, yeah. we, we do well with entrepreneurs. Yes. We exactly. understand. We speak entrepreneur. Right. So if you are an entrepreneur and you're always coming up with crazy ideas, stay tuned with us because we're going to give you more and more every week, brilliant branding ideas to help you formulate these ideas, package them and put them into motion. Yeah. Um, so continue to listen, subscribe to us, share it with friends. And uh, we look forward to sharing more brilliant ideas with you next week on the next episode of Brilliant Branding. Yeah. And just remember that you can always contact us at info at tungstenbranding.com. Or look for questions or comments. Yes, or tungstenbranding.com. Read our articles. And we look forward to sharing more with you next week. Yep. Thank you for listening to Brilliant Branding. Please join host Phil Davis and co-host Liz Heemstra for another edition of the program next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, stay brilliant. Brilliant.